Hi everybody, how's it going? Welcome to Cocktails in Cabot Cove, a Murder, She Wrote podcast. My name's Rob. My name's Liz. I'm a super fan of Murder, She Wrote. Rob's a newbie. And a cynical fan too. And a cynical fan. Hopefully a fan soon. So, our first episode of Cocktails in Cabot Cove, but it's also our first podcast. So you're going to have to bear with us as we work out all the kinks. Join us on this journey as we talk about Murder, She Wrote, Episode 1, The Pilot, The Murder of Sherlock Holmes. So, I just want to say that as we jump into the episode... The, the plot. The, not really the plot, but as, as, you, as the episode starts even, uh-huh. you know... She's running. She's looking around her house, scared. Is anybody there? Is anybody there? In 2018, she would have just said, "Alexa, turn on my lights." Wait, you're talking about the lady in the play? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But you don't know it's a play. No, you don't know it's a play. You think like she's about to get murdered in cold blood. Nowadays, yeah. someone would be like, open their their iPhone and be like, "Where's my Ring video doorbell? I got an alert. Someone's at my door." That's true. That's the that was the struggle of living in 1984. I know. Well, also the struggle is that she had no latches on her windows because I've been around my whole life and never had windows just blow open. Okay, that's something you need to be prepared for is in Cabot Cove, people get murdered all the time and the doors and windows are very prone to being broken and to just opening on their own from a gusty wind. I mean, if you're a handyman in Cabot Cove, you're going to be in business, or, or people just don't know how terrible your business is. There are at least two episodes of, of Murder, She Wrote where she does interact with the handyman in Cabot Cove, and in one of them, he's the murderer. Just saying. Did you just spill the plot of, of, of an They're episode we know. haven't even They're gotten They're not going to know. Yes, they, they, yes. 64 episodes in Cabot Cove. Okay, so actually, I just want to say Liz has already questioned you as our listeners as not being true Murder, She Wrote That's fans. true. Actually, the people that are listening to this probably do know exactly what episode I'm talking about. And it's, the handyman that's in it. And he's in it multiple times playing different characters. So, one of the things that we were talking about before we even got into this podcast was, even though Cabot Cove is a fictional town, you have to take a second back is t- step back and realize they didn't even film in Maine. No, they did not. Which makes me so sad. And for years, I didn't know that. I'm from New England, and part of the reason why I liked watching Murder She Wrote is because it made me feel closer to home because I thought that it was happening in Maine. And then I realized pretty recently, within the last five years, that they filmed the all the main scenes in Mendocino, California. And then she just said that she, as she just, as Liz just said that, I almost spit out my wine. <laughs> Um, because remember, this is cocktails in Cabot Cove, mean, meaning oh, yeah. we're going to be drinking as we discuss this, because what goes better with Murder, She Wrote? Wine. Wine. How do you, how do you handle an episode of Murder, She Wrote? <laughs> Wine. You don't need alcohol to love Murder, She Wrote, but it helps. Mm-hmm. And we will say, our cocktail in Cabot Cove tonight is a red wine blend, and the winery is called Alamos. It's a Texas wine. And when we run out of that will be moving on to Chianti. Yes. So, that being said, did you know that 
you mentioned the whole Mendocino, California was where her how or was where it was filmed. Mm-hmm. And if you really get bored, you can go to Mendocino, California, and go to the Blair House Inn, which I would love to do. I would love to do that. I'm not kidding. That's something I would like to do when I'm on the way. Mendocino is don't they, isn't there like a Mendocino Farms? The only thing I've ever heard, granted, okay, Rob is from California and I'm not. I'm from the East Coast and I've lived in Texas for many years. My understanding of Mendocino is that it's like a bunch of hippies. Is that correct? I don't know. When I was in high school, I had a teacher that wanted to retire there and I... And your teacher and your teacher was a hippie. He was a hippie, and I remember him so like you would talking just, about. You just assume. No, I remember him talking about like loving the culture there, and I'm pretty sure at the time he would like implied that it was like socially acceptable to smoke pot. In that was before, way before pot was legal in California. So, all right. So back to the first episode. Okay. Murder of Sherlock Holmes. Yes. One the one of the first things you have to realize about this episode. So. You're watching a play. Mm-hmm. We all know that now because most of the people listening to this are probably fans and have seen the episode. Yes. But he calls cut. Then he's like, why are you here? Oh, wait, I invited you. You know, and he doesn't realize this. Then she decides to spoil the plot in front of her two PTA friends or acquaintances or associates, whatever you want to call other PTA members. Yes. Okay. She spoils the plot, and they don't even get offended. I'm sorry. If I went to a play and was really into it, and somebody who I'm standing next to runs up to the director and says, I know who killed him, I would be mad because, like, what the heck? Would you not be mad? I probably would. It was a little bit insensitive of Jessica, but they had to use that plot point to show how good she is at solving murders. It had to happen. They had to say, basically, either she's, one, good at solving murders, or two, good at ruining movies for people. Probably both. She, like, goes in, she goes into, like, you know, you know, every movie and just is like, oh, this is what happens. She's, like, your your built-in spoiler alert. And ironically, she got mad at that TV lady for spoiling the plot when she was in New York doing interviews and the woman told everybody that the murderer in her book was the pregnant ballerina and Jessica was like kind of huffy about it she did the same thing to the play or to the guy that was directing the play which by the way didn't that seem like a really like high dollar affair for Cabot Cove Community Theater well I mean it could be the Laguna like the Laguna Beach like how they have the pageant of the masters in California it could just be the main version of that yeah but that's that's in an area where like show business and acting is a big thing. This is when I think town. Cabot Cove, I think hardcore fishermen coming in and out of the harbor yes. with their catches, not the rich lifestyle, you know, not the Kardashians of Cabot Cove. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Although there is a later episode, there's several episodes of the Cabot Cove Community Theater, and in one of them they have like a famous actor that comes and performs in a play in Cabot Cove. Like he's not famous in our world, but in their world he's famous. So maybe there is something in to this Cabot Cove being like maybe it's like um like Jacob's Pillow, like the the thing in Massachusetts where all the famous people go and do plays in the summer. It's a thing. Never heard of it, but mm-hmm. I'll believe you, Liz. Okay. So, all right. Then we get to the 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 only episode that has the extended intro. <laughs> yes. Where we get to see her, you know, 
doing her daily routines, jogging, bike riding, dressing like a homeless lumberjack <laughs> while teaching at the local high school, typing on, as Liz calls it, her ancient typewriter. Actually, I think typewriters are awesome. I hate typewriters. And um... Whoa, how... I, I For all our listeners, I understand this is a podcast about Murder, She Wrote, but anybody who hates a typewriter... I might not be able to do episode two. I'm Whatever. just saying. Whatever. You hate monks, so we're even. Let me tell you, when I was in high school, I used to work, like, do my mom, do work with my mom, and she, at the time, the, like, things were typed on typewriters, so I would do, like, labels and things for her, and it was, it's the worst, because when you make a mistake, you have to go back over it with whiteout, and it's just, it's, it's a terrible thing. Like, in a modern world where computers are an option, typewriters are the worst. Do you know a random fact about Rob, everybody? I own a typewriter. Do you use it? I've used it a couple times. And even cooler, the reason why I got it is because it's a cursive typewriter. Oh my god. Are you Ron Swanson? Have you no. watched Parks and Rec? Yeah, I've watched Parks and Rec. I don't, I don't get the reference. However, I'm just saying, a cursive typewriter. I actually got it because uh, um, I thought I could like write love notes to girls on it. you know, And you know, it would totally be like... You know, oh my gosh, this guy's so romantic and not creepy. Let, let me tell you how that worked out. <laughs> I'm creepy. single. I'm single, so <laughs> so it didn't work out good. But luckily, this is a podcast about murder she wrote and not my dating life. Yeah, and people now know don't try to use that as a way to woo women. Getting a cursive cursive typewriter is not the way to go. Clearly, clear, clearly. Yeah. Okay. So now we know. So, anyways. The thing I thought was the best part about this intro was the way she runs, okay? <laughs> so it starts with her running along the dock or, like, the sea bank, I think it more or less is. Like, you know, and she's running and her hands are in her pockets. Like, she's not running with her arms. And then it cuts to another scene where she's running with her arms. And then another scene where she's running differently with her arms. And I'm just sitting here thinking... I get you're trying to run, but why are you running differently each time? Like, most people who run have a running style. They don't just change their running style based off of, I don't I don't even know, like, my hands are in my pockets. Maybe it's cold. Okay, that's why runners wear gloves. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't have a problem with her changing her running style in general, but I think that running with your hands in your pockets makes no sense because... It sounds really difficult, and aerodynamically, it doesn't sound like it would work. So. Well, I mean, she just looks weird doing it. I don't yeah. know what else to say. I actually don't even remember her doing that, but I want to go back and see it because, um, I, I, yeah. she does. She's a jogger, and she makes a lot of reference to being a jogger in many episodes. And Angela Lansbury herself is a fitness fanatic, and she actually has her own fitness video. And... Um, well, it's pretty great. It's the, called Positive Moves. The biggest thing about this was she was... 58 at the time this episode aired. Yes. So, I guess when you're 58, you can run however Exactly. You if you're run. out running, then more power to you. Because I don't... I'm not out running. So, anyways. Then she then, then it cuts to her being back at home. And her nephew, Grady. Who's a recurring character. Yes. Grady is in 12 episodes. He's a... He's now, a character that you but, okay, know very so, well. This series fan. had this series had 264 episodes, and you called him a recurring character, mm-hmm. but for only being in 12 of 264 episodes, 
Yeah, I guess I should I don't know if I really call him a, a... He is a recurring character, and I will say Jessica has a million nieces and nephews. There will be many episodes where she's interacting with a niece or nephew. Grady's the I mean, only one where That's 4.5% he's... of the episodes. Like, that, that's, that's nothing. He's yeah. not a recurring character. He is a recurring character. He's got a lot of... He, he comes up in a lot of important episodes. Okay. Well, he's the character we forget about till we need him. Everybody for a, a also kind of hates Grady. I feel like fans of the show aren't huge fans of Grady. I don't really mind him. He's sort of a doofus. Well, I... Okay, so this relates to the episode. I don't like him. You know why I don't like him? Because he literally submitted her book to the publisher without her permission. How is that even acceptable? Like, oh, yep, just took your work, submitted it, and oh, by the way... Immediately, bestseller She's status. Bestseller. I'm not mad at him about that because which, he changed which you her know, life. You know, maybe in 1984 it worked differently. But nowadays, the whole bestsellers list is a scam. But, I didn't know that. Yes. I, and for our, our readers listening, you can Google this. If you look up the bestseller list, what, what a lot of authors do was is they want to like become a bestseller or be the number one top seller... What they'll do is they'll go buy their own book. Like, they'll buy hundreds, you know, 10,000 copies of their own book on the first day, and all of a sudden it's a bestseller, but really they just bought it themselves, and then they give it away, and it's a write-off. Or there's, there's a whole, like, there's, there's stuff on the internet about it. All I'm saying, Google's your friend. Look that up. But I don't think in 1984 this happened. No, and also Jessica is way too ethical to do that. She's not that kind of person. She wouldn't She wrote it. her whole book on a typewriter. What do you expect? <laughs> She's she was a bestseller because she's a good writer, and I think it was really great of Grady to give her that push that she needed. I don't mind Grady. So, anyways, she becomes a bestseller. Um, Grady says, "Come to come to New York City for a press tour, and to be on Phil Donahue," so, <laughs> which her friends were so excited about. They were all about Phil Donahue. These were the same PTA friends, weren't yes. they? Yes. So I guess they they forgave her for ruining the the plot of the new play no they were really good friends to her they helped her get that makeover they were not they weren't mad at her for ruining the play yeah so she, yeah exactly she gets her whirlwind makeover <laughs> and then oh by the way these friends just remember them or don't remember them because they're never in any more episodes the actresses are in other episodes but the character they play different characters which we'll talk about later that is a a hallmark of murder she wrote that they use the same actors to play different characters these particular um characters will not ever be in it again even though there are reoccurring characters so we got dogs in the house here we'll try to edit that out but if we can't if we can't you get to hear the dog so all right so anyways um she goes through a whirlwind makeover we we talked about that and she you know she gets to meet grady and his girlfriend, Kitty. The worst. I hate Kitty. And I don't get, is Kitty a pet name or is Kitty her real name? Well, at some point they call her Kit. I'm sure her name's Catherine because Kit is a nickname for Catherine. But at first they're calling her Kitty. I'm sorry. I don't have kids, but if I ever have a daughter and I decide for some reason I'm going to name her Catherine, I never want some guy calling her Kitty. Or Kitty? At least, or at least not that I ever have to know about this, okay? Ow. Okay, well... This was in the 80s. It was okay to call people Kitty. Things were different. Also, I feel like Kit is her actual nickname. Okay. Which is a fine nickname, I think. I like that name. Okay. And she works for a publisher. 
She works for Preston Giles in New York City. Which just sounds like a very pretentious name. It does. Preston Giles. Preston Giles of Publishing World. Yes. So, anyways, um, so anyways, we we go we go from there. Um, She gets interviewed by some terrible, terrible media people that are. Um, rude to her and really condescending and she holds her own she's not happy about having to deal with these people but I think that she does a great job especially when she sticks it to the snobby like NPR guy who is super judgy about her book not being literature and she points out to him that he's on television and he was real mean about people in the Midwest he makes fun of the, the people from Dubuque so I like that she stood up for herself there so, anyways, like like you mentioned, Kitty, she works for Preston Giles, um, and of course, Preston Giles. We have to, we have to, we. I think I have to say like Preston. Preston. He does have kind of almost like a British accent. It's not British, but it's like a, it's like an upper crust American accent. There's a name for that. I just can't remember it. Like a Brahmin accent. No, that's Boston. No, um, there's a name for. It. Anyways, he's got an accent. Kind of a funny one, we'll just call it that. Um, or a pretentious one. Um, anyway, so he um, is going to have a party. And he invites um, he invites her, Grady, and Kitty, Cat. Kit. <laughs> Whatever, okay? If you're going to call yourself Kitty, <laughs> Kit, okay? Um, over. And... Pretty much the house is amazing. It's awesome. It's like a dream house in upstate New York, and it's beautiful. Um, He clearly has a lot of money. He's obviously a very wealthy person. And um, he has people shooting skeet in his yard. It's that kind of place. So, um, yeah. Which typically only happens in, like, places like Texas when you have a thing. No, I feel like, like, like upper crust rich people are all about shooting skeet. Yeah, but shooting skeet in there, like I'm saying, like just oh, we're just gonna do it from the from from our backyard, from our backyard, from our backyard into the bay. <laughs> in 1984, you could have done that. Now, environmental laws. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that anymore. But, anyways, so the best part is the party. Oh, by the way, is a costume party because it couldn't have been anything else, and it doesn't appear to be. Like, around Halloween or anything. It's just come as your favorite literary character. Which, I guess, rich people just have a lot of time and money on their hands. So they can do costume parties whenever. Um, I did like her response when she tells him she could come as Lady Godiva. And then she winks and does her little hip swish. Because she's adorable. And um, I just love her. I think she's an adorable little old lady. So, well, okay. So... She finds out it's a costume party. And with no notice, absolutely zero notice, shows up as what? The most beautiful fairy godmother. With jewels. Like, like how do you just pull this out of your, like... She said she did get help from Louise McCallum, which is Captain Caleb's wife, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But even so, who has that dress? It looks to me, it looked like Glinda from The Wizard of Oz, and it was a beautiful dress. And I, I just think she really knocked it out of the park. But it, 
does not seem realistic that she'd be able to pull that together in a couple hours. All right. So anyways, we talk about Captain Caleb. So Grady works for a seafood chain restaurant named Captain Caleb's. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be like Long John Silver, like that type of restaurant. Because Jessica is kind of disdainful about that. She says she ate at one of the branches and she was not a fan of the food. So it's kind of a low quality seafood restaurant. He's kind of a cad, like a womanizing older man. Um, and he's not a particularly likable guy. Well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, he walks, he's walking up to women, you know, putting the, his hands on the back of their dress. Which was so problematic for so many reasons. The woman, Avi, clearly was not happy but about him doing this. I know, I know. And you have to look at it through a 1984 lens for sure. Um, but just, I, it was so uncomfortable watching him do that. And he was just so disgusting and, ugh. Okay, so back to the costume part. We got Captain Caleb. He's dressed as Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Um, Preston is dressed as the Count of Monte, Monte Carlo. Cristo. Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo. Yes, I know. I don't know why I said Monte Carlo. <laughs> it was a slip, okay? <laughs> um, anyways, so they find an intruder during the party who's creeping in Grady's room. Grady who's dressed like Peter Pan. Yes, and I'm just going to say, <laughs> so what was Kit dressed as? I, her, her outfit was really skimpy. She was like a, like a belly dancer, like a harem, like a, like, like a thousand and one Arabian I mean, do you think scene. like, do you think in 1984, before I was born for all our listeners. And you, I was too. Do you think that they could have gone as a couple like Peter Pan and Tinkerbell? You know, Tinkerbell. Yeah, I think they totally could have. But and instead, it's weird they but I wonder, like from a from a TV writing perspective, if we put Peter Pan and Tinkerbell, is that too cliche? Do we have to get some Disney licensing in this? I don't know. But anyway, so I she don't was, think she was they're worried as, about cliches, and I don't know about a licensing issue. I don't know why they didn't have. They should have dressed as a couple. Let's okay. just go. Let's just so, be honest. Somebody snooping in Brady's room or Grady's room, and they interrogate him. And he's coy about what he's looking for. But he sees this, the blind justice statue in Preston's study. And he has an aha moment, it seems like. Yeah. He doesn't explicitly say that, but he kind of has a look on his face that makes it seem like he's having an aha moment. And then he looks at Preston again and he says, oh, I know who you're dressed as. It's Edmond Dante, the Count of Monte Cristo. So that seems like an innocent encounter. They kind of cut to the next scenes, no big deal, but it will end up being important later on. So anyways, the next morning, they find Sherlock Holmes face down in the pool. Dun, dun, dun. Victim of the week. Dead. So, anyways, they don't show it because it's 1984, and I don't even know if they show it today, but he got his face blown off by a 12-gauge. And the cop is so, like, just callous when he <laughs> says it. He just says, yeah, this guy got his face blown off with a 12-gauge. And it just seems kind of, like, but, flippant. But this is Cabot Cove. This no, is Compton. No, upstate New York. Oh, it's upstate New York. Yes. Yeah, this is, yeah. This is upstate New York. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I feel like they probably don't get a ton of murders out in this, like, 
very maybe he used to be like a New York. Area. He used to be like a New York City beat cop. He moved up to upstate New York for his retirement gig, and then he saw this and he's like, "Eh, just a twelve gauge." No to the big head. deal to him at all. So, anyways, um, he's a hardened police officer. So they assume it's Captain Caleb, and they investigate it based on this. But then, ta-da! Captain Caleb shows up. Is it going to be in the? Yes, you just heard me get an email, okay? So, note to self, we need to mute our computers. Well, we're all part of the learning process together. So, anywho, um, but good thing there's a sale at Target, is all I gotta say. And they're not our sponsor, but that's the email I got. Oh. So, we can talk about... a sponsor someday, (laughs) when we're big and important. Yes, and we can, like, sponsor their wine selection of the week. Mm -hmm. Their gross California wine that they have. Anywho, um, love you, Target. So, anywho, um, Captain Caleb shows up, and now who's the victim? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, it's It's Dexter Baxendale, the Snoopy detective. Which I don't really feel that I didn't like him. I didn't have him. I didn't have. But I just have to say, like Dexter Baxendale. It's an excellent name. That's an excellent detective name. Yes. And, and I almost give props to the writers, because, like, where would you even come up with the name Baxendale? I don't know, but I totally give props to the writers. They are really good at coming up with names on this show. So, anyways, um, Caleb then tells us, Captain Caleb, tells us he's the one who hired Dexter because someone has been stealing his private real estate information from him, and he wants to, we wanted to put a stop to it. Yeah. Apparently, it's some kind of information that's worth three to $400,000 and has to do with real estate. They don't explain it. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but apparently it's lucrative business stealing info from Captain, Captain Caleb. And so, immediately, Grady gets arrested because Dexter was snooping in his room... He works for Captain Caleb. He's the accountant. You know, he's probably stealing info, and he killed, you know, and he killed Dexter to keep it quiet. But. But. Jessica Fletcher is not having it, because if there's one thing you need to know about Jessica, is that she will go to the mattress for her family. She's not going to put up with anybody. Even if her family's only in 12 episodes. She's going to she's gonna go to fight for him. She's in... There's a lot of different people that are in her family that appear throughout the series. Grady's just the one that shows up the most. And she loves Grady. And she partially raised him. And we can talk about that in the episode where that becomes knowledge. So but, anyways, she starts being Miss, Miss Detective. Yes. Which at this point, you don't really know she's going to be like the, the detective. Right. Because this is only the first episode. But she starts investigating... And then, boom, Captain Caleb gets murdered, too. Mm-hmm. So now, but Grady's still in jail, right? <laughs> yes. Or so, he's not in jail, right? They let him out on bail. Yeah. He's know. out. He's in his apartment. I'm not sure how that works. But is he? <laughs> he is. So anyways, he's hanging out with Kit. He's hanging so, out with Kit, yes. And so, they, they're going to help Jessica figure out who really killed um, so now... Dexter. So Jessica figures out that Ashley and Peter are the people that were actually stealing 
the real estate information. And to back up a little bit, Ashley is the younger woman with very unfortunate hair that was having an affair with Captain Caleb at the um, costume party. She was dressed as like like a red queen type of her actually her costume was really awesome but she's not a very nice person and then peter is the guy at the costume party that was playing a lot of cheesy show tunes on the piano so they were in cahoots together to steal information from captain caleb to make money because peter needed to fund an off-broadway play that he wanted to put on and ashley just wanted money because she's greedy so jessica finds that out she's able to confront them and they but wait they confess. both have alibis though they have al- they have alibis for the murder of captain caleb so we know that they were stealing the information but we also know they didn't kill the captain so it seems like the theft of the information and the murders are unrelated so then jessica realizes that wait she's found the killer she's found the killer yes, yes. And she has an aha moment when she opens the New York Times and she sees a book review by a woman whose name is Chris. And that is the same woman who's supposed to interview her about her book. And she remembers that when they were at his country house, Preston got a phone call and he said that it was from the New York Times book reviewer that was going to interview her and he referred to him as a, as a he, as a male. And that is enough for Jessica to know that he was lying because the New York Times book reviewer that's going to interview her is actually a woman. It's pretty thin evidence. Yeah, very thin. But that's pretty much par for the course for Murder, She Wrote. Jessica is able to nail people on a on surprisingly well, probably thin Probably because she read the script. Hello. <laughs> you so. do have to suspend disbelief to be a Murder, She Wrote fan. That's just part of it okay and that's, well, and that's why we're here to talk about exactly it. Yeah. exactly okay so anywho um but why would preston kill dexter baxendale well exactly but 20 years ago prior to this mm-hmm. preston was framed for a murder he didn't commit yes he escaped from prison and was assumed dead just like the count of monte cristo See, I feel like he was being too cute trying to, like, dress up, dressing up as the Count of Monte Cristo when he had pretty much followed the plot in his own life. And Dexter, good old Dexter, recognized him. 20 years later. 20 years later. And was going to out him. So, this had nothing to do with Ashley, his former mistress, or Peter. Ashley was not his former mistress. Oh. She was Captain Caleb's former. That's mistress. okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, and and then Pe- Preston did kill Caleb later too, which I was a little unclear about why he killed Caleb. But we don't know. Yeah, I, you so, guys can you guys can tweet at us because we're going to create a Twitter account for this, and you can tweet at us and tell us why Captain Caleb was murdered. Probably because the seafood was terrible. It, yeah, people were just sick of eating that crap. Maybe Jessica put a hit out on him for his yeah. terrible seafood. Because she's a real New Englander and she doesn't put up with that. So, anyways, um, so Preston decides to turn him himself into the police. <laughs> okay. Just says, ah, I'm going to turn myself in. Anyways, go on. I have so many problems with this. It makes no sense. He killed Dexter Baxendale, 
to keep from having to go back to jail. Then he killed Caleb, presumably. I mean, we, obviously, we don't know why he killed Caleb because we clearly weren't paying enough attention. But I assume it was for the same reason. So he's just okay with letting with letting Jessica go and turning himself into the police after killing two other people. A real murderer would have killed Jessica. A real murderer would have killed but Jessica. then we would have lost out on <laughs> 263 more episodes. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad he didn't. I mean, I, I love J.B. Fletch, so I'm, I'm glad that he didn't kill her, but plot-wise, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So anyways, that's it. That's the, that's epi- the episode. That is the episode. Mm-hmm. I mean... The really, the really funny thing is, though, is, and you, we were talking about this before we, we started the episode, was that um, Jessica just offers unsolicited advice to people. Yeah. Like, the thing about him eating apples, she's like, you, your complexion looks very gray. You should eat apples. That was rude. She's basically saying, you look like a ghost. You look tired and drawn. You need to eat some apples. That's not nice. People yeah. don't want unsolicited advice like that about their appearance. So, anyways, I mean, it, it's just, I don't know. So that is, I mean, that's really the first episode of many to come mm-hmm. with wine mm-hmm. and wine and murder she wrote. Okay, we're not done yet. You're not going to get out of this quiz. Okay, so you're Liz not, created a quiz. You're not going to, hold on. There's a few things that I want to talk about. I want to do the quiz. I want to talk about Maine because Maine is an important part of this show. All right. Well, then I need another glass of wine. Okay. I'm going to get you another glass of wine, and then we're going to talk about the actors that were in this show. Hold okay. on. Hill's being refilled. Okay. All right. So, so we have our drinks, and now Liz has a quiz. Liz with the quiz. Go. Okay. I have a quiz, but first I want to tell you a little bit about Murder, She Wrote. I want to tell the world a little bit about Murder, She Wrote. Okay, it ran from 1984, when I was two years old, to 1996, when I was 14. That's 12 seasons. That's 12 seasons, people. That doesn't even happen anymore. Meanwhile, I was just excited to watch, growing up, you know, Saved by the Bell. I like Saved by the Bell, too, but my mom and I used to watch Murder Show together on Sunday nights. And it was a big deal. My mom loved but Jessica, loved. But but Zach, Zach Morris is no Jessica He's not. He just, he's not. You're right. That's an excellent point. Okay. So anyways, go on. There's 264 episodes of Murder, She Wrote, but only 59 of them are in Cabot Cove. So she lives in Cabot Cove, but she's a world traveler because she is able to make money with her books. She's has a lot of friends. She has a lot of family. She's a widow. So being, being, let me ask you this, being a Murder, She Wrote newbie compared to you, Mm -hmm. the question I have for you is. How many more times does Grady get to just submit her books to the publisher without her permission? Because I'm still hung up on that. I That's mean, the only time he ever did that. Because now she has a publisher and she continues to write many books. She's a total bestseller and she makes lots of money. But Grady's uninvolved in her career from this point on. I mean, she was basically... Probably had her... Does she eventually upgrade to a word processor instead of the typewriter? She does. Oh, she's running she Word does. Perfect, everybody. It's actually... there's. At least one episode where it that's the main plot is her moving on to a computer and um, her computer specialist gets murdered of course don't ever take a job with Jessica Fletcher and um, it she does leave the typewriter behind but it's a long time it's it's several seasons away and granted it's in 1984 so people weren't necessarily no I'm not using computers yeah. so she's really I mean she's fine for the time 
Um, a couple other things about Murder, She Wrote. It aired on CBS. And um, this particular episode aired on September 30th, 1984, which is my sister's birthday. It was her 17th birthday. So, I'm going to tell you a couple things about Maine, and then we're going to do a quiz. Maine is the northeasternmost state in the U.S. It's the 12th smallest by area. So 37 states are larger than Maine. We have 50 states. 37 of them are larger than Maine. Yeah, I know. I was surprised about that, too. It's the ninth. I was, I was just going to take a step back. And I want to think for a second. And, and I guess I was thinking that when you said we have 50 states. I thought, well, hello, everybody learns that when they're five years old or six years old in school. But then I thought, oh, my gosh, we might be global. We might be global. We That's might be global. Exactly. And people might not realize we have 50 states. They might not. So, so Rob and I are American, Jessica's American, and Maine is an American state. But for all of our international listeners, we have 50 states. And Maine. And we're sure we're still not sure about Preston and his accent. We're not sure about Preston. We don't know where that came <laughs> we're from. We're not sure where we don't know from. where that came from. Um so forty-one of our states are more populated than Maine. So seventy-four percent of the states have more people in them than Maine. Maine is a very, very um sparsely populated. Basically state. nobody goes there. It's very beautiful. And it's tainted by by all, by, the, by all the murder that happened there in the eighties. I wonder if people stopped wanting to live in Maine because of all the murders from this, maybe that was well, like... Well, also Stephen King is from Maine, and all of his, a lot of his books take place there, and they're creepy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so, yeah. It doesn't have a great reputation. The, 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 state, the Maine State Tourism Board is like, gosh, can <laughs> gosh. we just stop writing about how much murder is going down here? Well, finally, uh, speaking of their tourism board, their, their um, like nickname, their state nickname... And this is what it says on their license plates, too, is vacation land. But, I mean, yeah, vacationing in a place where there's a lot of murders maybe isn't appealing to a lot of people. So the population of Maine currently, the estimated 2017 population, was about 1.3 million. That's the whole entire state. So for perspective, Rob lives in California. I live in Texas. Our state populations are, respect California, 39.5 million, and Texas, 28.3 million. Now, those are the, the top two most populated states in the in the nation. California and Texas are. But in the cities that we live in, both of the cities that we live in have more people than the entire state of Maine. So, I mean, that's a, that's a small state. It's very rural. And that's where Cabot Cove is. Now, Cabot Cove is not a real town. It is based, I've heard that it's based on a town called Camden, Maine, and I've also read that it's based on Kennebunkport, Maine, um, which you may know because the bushes have a compound there. But um, I think that it's really Camden, Maine. That's what I've heard most often. So. Well, and I do want to say that, speaking of murder, she wrote, today I went to McDonald's and I, was, I got order number 187. Which, for anybody that knows, 187 references murder in California Penal Code. That is your that is your murder, she wrote, rap reference. How did you know that? Oh, in rap? Yeah, in rap. They reference 187. But anyway, so I today that. I ate McDonald's, which I don't normally do, but I ate McDonald's because I was hungry. And I thought, 
Oh my gosh, I got 187. I go, well, I guess I'm going to die from McDonald's. You already knew that? You yeah. didn't have to look that up? You knew that 187 meant murder? Yeah. Do you know that because you're a rap fan? I, like, heard it. Is it because you're from California? It's the California penal code for murder, 187. Okay. okay. I don't know. You all can look it up. But anyways. I believe you. I just can't believe you knew that. I, mean, I can believe that you knew it off the top of your head. It's just surprising because I would not have known that. I don't know what the Texas penal code for murder is. Probably not 187. Probably not 187. We'll find out and get back to you, listeners. <laughs> They're all like, right. we really don't care. We're only here for, for Jessica. Man, that's true. Everybody's here for Jessica. Okay, here's my quiz. This is for you. Now, having, having grown up, I believe you grew up on the West Coast. You've always lived there. Y- yes, but I've lived all over the place. Okay. It is other times. Have but... you lived elsewhere in the U.S.? No. Okay, so this is um, our... First episode's New England trivia segment. And we're going to make sure we pause so that y'all can think about the answer, too. So yes. It, oh, that's true. Okay. That's yes. True. Okay. So here's the first question for you. Where is New England? Uh, New England is the geographical location. Where is it in the U.S.? Well, northeast. Right. Okay. How many states make up the region of New England? I'm going to go with four. Really? Wait, really? What? How many? It's not four. Okay, so (laughs) clearly it's not four. And everybody who just was driving in their car listening to this and said four you're wrong because i'm giving getting an evil eye look from liz yeah well, and also so we have maine rob is a geographer we have maine okay that's gonna be my next question is what are those states so let's see if we'll we'll combine those two questions to see if you can get the answer right so clearly it's not four it's not four but we have maine mm-hmm. we have vermont mm-hmm. we have connecticut mm-hmm we have New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to change my answer now that I'm counting these out yeah. in my head. We have Massachusetts. Yes. And I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something. There is there is another state. I said Vermont. You said Vermont. This is a very small state. Is it the smallest? It's the smallest. I don't know. It's the smallest state in the union. I I am at a loss. Just tell me. It's okay. What's it called when a piece of land is detached from a larger piece of land? An island. Yes. Oh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Okay. So you did get five out of the six. That's pretty good. But I said four originally. You did say four originally, but... Because I forgot about... What was the, what was the fifth one I said? Massachusetts. I which is the most important state in New England. That's okay. where I'm from. Um, we shall see if Boston makes it to the World Series. They're, they're, as we talk, they're about to start playing Houston. So... Are you a baseball fan? Yes, I'm a baseball fan. Okay. But not a Boston fan. And not a Houston fan. As a, like, but what's your favorite team? The Angels. Okay. Being okay. from California when they were the California Angels. But if you had to choose between Houston and Boston, you're going to choose Boston. 
Well, I'd like to survive, so yes. <laughs> okay. All right, here's a bonus question. What are the capitals of those six New England states? So, let's start with Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have started with Rhode Island. I didn't even realize it was, I couldn't even remember it was a state. It does have a capital. Well, of course. Um, so, I would say, well, let's just pass. Okay, you can pass Rhode Island. Massachusetts. Boston. Okay. Okay. Connecticut. Let's see. So let's start with Massachusetts. You already said that. No, no. I was starting over like they okay, we were editing okay. it out. Okay. So let's start with Massachusetts. Boston. Yes. Okay. Vermont. All I know is Vermont. I used to hear these commercials for Vermont teddy bears. So I have no clue what Vermont has besides teddy bears. Okay. And by the way, this is not a sponsor for them, but and I've never bought a teddy bear. But they are so cute, those Vermont teddy bears. They're so cute. I know. I love them. Are they really produced in Vermont, though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the bears themselves are probably built in China or something, because that's the world we live in. But Yes. Um, so Vermont, let's see. We have... I don't know. Okay. Vermont is a... It comes from the... French words, fair and mont. Okay. So does that help you? The capital has a French name. Nope, no clue. Okay. Capital of Vermont is Montpelier. Okay. Okay. What's the capital of New Hampshire? Um, capital of New Hampshire is. I don't know. I don't know either. I think it's Manchester. No, I think it's Concord. I think it's Concord. Are you Googling it? I am Googling it because it's Concord. Okay. okay. So you were right. Okay. So now, what's our next? Maine. I don't know. This is a hard one because it's not um, the most, the most populated city in Maine is Portland, but it's not Portland. Siri, what is the capital of Maine? Augusta is the capital of Maine. See, that's why we have Siri. That's why we have technology. That's why we would have said... Siri, turn on my lights. Okay, most of the lights are now on. At your apartment, your lights are on? Yep, I just turn my lights on. How is she controlling that? Through Alexa? No. Oh. Siri doesn't work with Alexa. Oh, she doesn't. Siri and Alexa are like not friends. They're frenemies. They're frenemies. What's the capital of Rhode Island? Siri, what's the capital of Rhode Island? So, I just want to point out to our listeners that Liz made this quiz without even knowing the answers. No, I did know. I said, okay. What I is the capital no, of Rhode I Island? No, I know what the capital of Rhode Island is. Providence is the capital Providence. Of Providence, Rhode Island. Providence so, College. are we out of, we're out of state now, No, right? you didn't do Connecticut. Because I couldn't remember Connecticut. Uh, what is the capital of Connecticut? Okay. It's. What is the capital of Connecticut? Siri, Siri is picking up all my words. What is the capital of Connecticut? Hartford is the ca- Hartford. Hartford. Bradley International Airport. See, I would have never known any of these because okay. I'm not from that area. Yeah, I know, but that's why I want. That's why I thought it'd be a good quiz for you because people that aren't from New England don't know a lot about New England, like. Um, but to their defense, people who are fans of Murder She Wrote 
now we were we basically already said hello. It wasn't even filmed in in a, this fictitious I town. I hope that we didn't ruin Murder She Wrote for anybody by by saying that. It's well, no, kind of but sad. but in in that defense, most most. TV shows are not filmed in their real locations. Yeah, they're not. That's true. Especially a place like Maine where there's probably not I mean, a big like, movie like industry. things like Chicago Fire are filmed in Chicago. You know, things in New York. And so, well, let, let me ask you this. Did Jessica, where did she live during all this filming? Do you know that? Where did, where did Angela Lansbury live? Yeah, where did Angela Lansbury live during all this filming? I mean, she currently lives in, like, Southern California, so I assume she lived in Southern California then. Oh, wait. Mendocino's in Northern California. Yeah. Though. Oh, I don't know. She probably lived in Northern California. Not all the episodes take place in... You know, I bet she lived in Southern California because only only 25% of the episodes are in Cabot Cove. And I only say that because a lot of actors and actresses will be coastal-based. Yeah. So a lot of New York-based TV shows will have a lot of the same type of New York actors and actresses in them. Versus West Coast TV shows will have West Coast actors and actresses. Well, Angela Lansbury's British, but she's such a talented actress that she does an American accent like nobody's business. All right, well, on that note, do you watch Chicago Fire? No. Oh, well, if you watch Chicago Fire and you ever look up Lieutenant Casey from Chicago Fire, he is British. But has the perfect American accent. Who's the actor? I don't remember his name. But if you Google Chicago Fire and you view like interviews of this guy, he'll bust out a full British accent. British accent. Yeah. Have you watched interviews with Matthew Reese from The Americans? Who plays Philip Jennings? No, isn't he British? He's Welsh and he has a crazy accent in real life. But you never hear that. No, he's an amazing, amazing actor. He's so good. And isn't he with her in real life too? Yes, they're married in real life and they have a child. So... Anyways, so that, with that, we're going to talk about other shows. It's going to happen. We love TV. Yes. So. So, with that, we will all see you in a couple weeks for our next episode. No, we're not done yet. Yes, we're done. I have more. I'm going to edit that part out. No, okay, listen. We have to talk about the cast, because this is a very important part of of Murder, She Wrote. Okay, go on. Okay. I feel like I'm just going to have to export this from the (laughs) podcast thing and put it in and just start moving all the shit around. (laughs) Okay. Then we're going to have to pay pay your husband to do it all for us. Okay, we're going to talk about the cast, because, first of all, Angela Lansbury is the star. She's um, currently almost 93. The week that we're recording this is the week before her birthday. So she was born October 16th, 1925. She was 58 when the, when this episode aired, and she was 70 when the series ended. She was in all 264 episodes of Murder, She Wrote. The, well, of course, because what would the show be without her? There are several episodes during, I believe it's season six, where she was having some contract issues, and she's not in the main plot of the show she just comes on in the beginning to introduce them and then the rest of the show is about like one of her detective friends or you know something like that so there are a few but she's in it but do you wonder they i bet you more than likely she came in and they filmed that after they figured out the contract issues i think so i think i think the problem with this was what it was really it wasn't necessarily contract disputes it was she wanted to quit the show because 
apparently being on a TV show is a lot of work. It doesn't seem to me as like a plebe that it would be a lot of work, but apparently they work like 14 hour days. And she was an older woman. And so she wanted to quit because it was too much work. And so they said, hey, we'll cut back like your role in it. And you can just do like the intros. And so that's but you what that can't was. But con- you can't cut back her role. Because they, we're going to get to some episodes where they do that. But, but, but I feel like you can't. That's like saying, I love, like, Star Trek Next Generation. We're only going to show Captain Picard every couple episodes. No, no, well. We're going to show him at the beginning of the episode and let, let Data run the rest of the show. Come on, you can't do that. They did do it. And it worked well. And some of the, they call them bookend episodes because she, and she intros the episode and then she comes in at the end and kind of like sums it all up. And some of those are really good episodes. So. But did any of those episodes happen in Cabot Cove? Um, no, and we should say that this podcast will focus first on all the episodes that are in Cabot Cove because, well, for a number of reasons, there's 264 episodes of Murder, Shiro, and we don't want to necessarily commit to recording 264 episodes of this podcast. It's because y'all might get tired of us. And it's a lot of work. And we might be drunk <laughs> at that point. We might be too drunk. So we're going to focus on Cabot Cove because those are my favorite episodes. And um, and I'm kind of steering the ship because I'm the veteran Murder, Shiro fan. So we're going to focus on the Cabot Cove ones. And then once we get through those, then I would like to do focus on episodes that have like favorite recurring characters. So Harry McGraw, Dennis... Michael, you guys who are fans of Murder, She Wrote will know who I'm talking about. And and then also just like great episodes that maybe don't take place in Cabot Cove, but that I love. Like, uh, were they, would you say they're D-list celebrities? Like, oh, I was on Murder, She Wrote last week, but I'm not on for another month. I would say most of these people are working actors that aren't like major celebrities. Although some of them were famous like in the 50s when, like when they were young, like when Angela Lansbury was young. Um, but we... I would be remiss to not point out that many big actors were on Murder, She Wrote before they were popular. So that would include George Clooney, Neil Patrick Harris, Cynthia Nixon, Megan Mullally, Brian Cranston, Bill Maher. I mean, the list goes on and on. So there's a lot of famous people that were in Murder, She Wrote. And then I think some of the older actors were famous when they were young. Um... Herb Edelman is George the bus driver in this episode. He has a really, really small part. But I love Herb Edelman because he was Stan Spornak in Golden Girls. And I feel like the demographic for Murder, She Wrote fans and Golden Girls fans has a lot of overlap. And so I feel like the people listening to this are going to know who Stan Spornak is. He was Dorothy's ex-husband on Golden Girls, and he was hilarious. He was on 10 episodes of Murder, She Wrote, and he played four different characters. So he played like one-off characters like George for the first few. And then he became a police lieutenant that showed up like six times. So he was the, the character or the actor with the third highest number of murder shoot episodes. Okay. Liz, we have to talk about this. No, we're people cutting care this about this. We're, we're cutting not this cutting out. it out. We're cutting this the out. The people want to know about this. No, we're cutting this part no. out for sure. But we, we're at 57 minutes right now. Okay, but we have a lot of... We need of... like a 30, minute, 30 to 45 minute podcast. No, it needs to be... Okay, 45 no. minutes. I could, 45 no. minutes. We, we've got yes. 13 minutes we can cut out. Of this... No, yes, people want to is... know about this. You don't understand. People that are murder stroke fans care about stuff put, like this. If you had to put, if you had to pick between door number one and door number two, and door number one is the quiz, 
And door number two is the facts about the episode. Because remember, they've seen this episode. Then I think we should slim down the the plot part. No, the plot part's the most important part because we're like basically... But like you said, they've seen the episode. But they need to hear about like... Like they need like the play-by-play, but they need like our commentary with the play-by-play. They... Do you think... Okay. So now we're going to get to Eddie Barth. Eddie (laughs) Barth is Bernie. Who the... F is burning. I don't actually know. Exactly. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 But let me just say, Andy Garcia had a throwaway role in this episode. He was the the, the thug that told Jessica that he was going to give her a free blood test when he like assaulted her in the alley. That's Andy Garcia. That's a that's a famous actor that had his got his start in Murder She Wrote. I just, but I don't know who Andy Garcia is. He what else has the, he been? He was in the Ocean's Eleven movies. He's okay. been in a lot of movies. So from 1984 till 2008, he, he was didn't... in The Godfather. Okay, he was—he's a, a famous actor. You don't know who he is, fine, but he's a famous actor. Also, Ned Beatty was in this episode. Okay, that's it. Oh, also, Brian Keith was in this episode. He played Captain Caleb, and he was the dad in The Parent Trap, the real Parent Trap, the first one with Haley Mills in the 60s. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's the only Parent Trap that even matters. It is the only Parent Trap that matters. He was the dad. Did you recognize him? No. He was Mitch. What is that beeping? It's my it's my dishwasher. <laughs> it's ruined the whole episode. We have to throw the entire episode away. Alright, so we're Jim gonna is annoyed by the beeping. We're gonna sign off because but listen, people, tweet at me if you wanna know more details about these actors who were we'll in have this to episode. Add in, we'll have to add in our tweet. Yeah, we'll have to figure figure Tweet out at our, me at 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 Yeah, at yeah, exactly. <laughs> 